Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. I'm attorney Adam Hanson. I'm in the studio today with the one and only, my partner in crime, Sean Garner. He hates it when I say that about him. We've got Cody Beeson running the board, and we've got our special guest today, Martine, and he's uh, going to be throwing in some commentary here and there. We have been busy um, getting geared up for the holidays in our office. We've got the tree up. Do you get more clients because people are in for the holidays and they're dealing with their family and they realize, hey, I need to change my plan because <laughs> I don't like this person anymore? I don't think it's because of that. I, yeah. I think it's because, oh, man, the end of the year is coming. I got to get this done. Let's get something started. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think things slow down at the end of the year. Everybody's gearing up for the holiday season and, and New Year, and so they're, they pretty much say, I'll put it off until January like most things. Uh, last week was the last Republican um, primary debate. Sean, you asked me when we came in here if I had listened to it or watched it. I did not, and I, I purposely did not. I knew about it. I knew I was available at that time to watch it. I don't like watching those. I feel like they're train wrecks most of the time. Instead, what I usually will do is I'll go back and I will look at the clips of the snippets that were the you know, the highlights of that particular debate. That's what I have been doing in the past. But even even after last Wednesday's debate, I w- had no motivation to do that. I just feel like, what's the point? I don't really, I know who these people are. I don't really care anymore at this particular point. Um, and like, like, I did watch a lot of the Newsom and, and DeSantis debate. Oh, that, man, that was that pretty was. good. Yeah, if you if you like being lied to. Yeah, it, well, Newsom brought up the point. He's like, "You're not going to be. I'm not going to be the nominee for my party. You're not going to be the nominee for yours." Which is, which is a lie. Well, lie number one. He is going to be the nominee. True, but DeSantis <laughs> is probably not. You know. Yeah, DeSantis is probably not. But the 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 point that he was trying to make is neither of us are here trying to actually make a presidential run. When number one, Ron DeSantis is actually putting himself out there for that, and number two. Newsom is not putting himself out there for that, but in reality is running a shadow campaign. So everything that comes out of that guy's mouth is an absolute lie. So you actually watched the debate, and I, I, I was I surprised watch, by it. I watch these things. I actually do it. I, I typically do, but I'm just disenchanted at this point. Well, I'm just kind of sick of it. I know what's going to go on, yeah. and I, I, it's uncomfortable a lot of times now because it's not really a true debate. They can't the keep their control. The three debates were... You, well, I agree with you, train wrecks, because they allowed the candidates to talk over one another and argue, and it sounded just like, you know, um, fourth graders arguing over, you know, whose ball it is. And that was really irritating because they have good points, or at least they have points that we should hear and be able to decide on what merits we like the best. But um, the, the moderators this time, it was a panel um, of all ladies and they did a fantastic job of shutting up the candidates to not speak over one another, with a few exceptions. There was some sparring going back and forth between Vivek and, um, and Chris Christie, and then some sparring going back and forth between Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie. Chris Christie's really only there to stir the pot. Yeah, he, he really doesn't have any. Nobody really takes him seriously. I get the, the feeling that nobody really takes him seriously, and he's just in the room, you know? Yeah, the most, the most valid point that was spoken during the whole time was Vivek's comment to Chris Christie when he said, why don't you do us all a favor, walk yourself off the stage, go get some lunch, and sit in the stands because nobody believes that you're going to be a candidate and you're just sucking up everybody else's time. 
He said that? Yeah. <laughs> that's not, not, that's the truth. And it's just kind of brutal to hear, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, and Vivek, oh my goodness. He, he went very hard at Nikki Haley and Chris Christie for their position in Ukraine and their willingness to put U.S. dollars and potentially U.S. troops and then eventually the world at war because of this Ukraine-Russian conflict without a clear end in sight, without actually saying what province would they put U.S. troops in to defend? Which, what, what is their primary objective over there? What is their end game? And he goes, name it. Name a province. Which ones would you send your sons and daughters over there to defend or my sons and daughters over to defend? Name a province. You don't even know the, the region well enough to understand their culture, to understand what's going on, to understand whether or not it's worth defending with American lives. You just want to say, hey, Ukraine is good, Putin's bad, Therefore, we defend Ukraine when there's a lot more to it. In fact, there's a lot of corruption going on in Ukraine that needs us to take a step back and look at whether or not it's worth bankrupting our country to fund this proxy war. And he goes, go ahead, name a province. And, and Nikki Haley, after she was goaded two or three or four times to do it, she named Crimea. And he goes, it's not even a, pro- it's not even a province. <laughs> It's like, you just got it wrong. You had one question. You're the UN ambassador. Yeah. You were the UN ambassador. Mm-hmm. You can't name a province of this war that you're, you're trying to spend all the taxpayers' money on. And um, Chris Christie's the same thing. So um, I think he, another point that he drove home really well with um, Nikki Haley is that she was bankrupt. I mean, she had at most $100,000 in her bank when um, she left as the ambassador of the UN. She'd been the governor of South Carolina. And uh, then two years later, she's living in an $8 million home and uh, making speeches that they're paying her four or $500,000 for per speech. And she's sitting on the board of Boeing. And of course, she was consulting with Boeing when she was an ambassador at the UN, and she was giving Boeing deals in her state of South Carolina while she was governor. And he goes, I don't think anybody that serves in government should be a lobbyist for at least 10 years after they leave government office. That just, it's corrupt. It's crony capitalism. It, it, it breeds um, patting on each other on the back. You serve a little bit of time in Congress, get us the inside track, grease the wheels a little bit, and then you'll be able to sit on our board and make, make sure that our company gets all the, the sweet deal or sweetheart contracts. And he, he pointed that out. She didn't have anything to say to the fact that she's worth millions now with really nothing to show for it, maybe barely a little bit more experience than Hunter Biden. And, and, She's like, no, I'm not corrupt. And he goes, well, are you accepting donations from BlackRock? Well, yes, I'll accept donations from anybody. Well, there you go. If you're going to accept donations from anybody, then essentially you're saying you'll sell your soul to the devil because people that donate money, they don't donate it without expectations. And so he was talking about, um, I forget the guy's name, but he's the, the new George Soros, the Democratic Party. And uh, he is one of her primary donors as well. He's, he basically, um, he's pushing a lot, he got a lot of these prosecutors that are pushing the woke agenda and, and refusing to prosecute crimes um, elected. And he's one of her major funders. He, the CEO of BlackRock, he's one of her campaign supporters. Like all of these individuals 
are not only on the other side of the agenda, they're on the distant left. They're on the far, far left. Even moderate Democrats see these individuals as corrupt. And you're getting support. They're your main donors. You don't think you're compromised. Everything that, anything that has um, financial campaign donations attributed to it in, in, in your campaign indicates that you are going to continue the status quo of a bought and paid for politician. So before we started the show, you came up with three different questions, Sean. The first being, who do you like the most? Second, who is the most electable? And finally, who do you think is going to be the actual candidate for the Republican Party? And so let's start with question number one. Who do you like the most? We're down to four, right? We've got Ron DeSantis. We've got Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, and Chris Christie. You already made the argument, Sean, and so did uh, Ramaswamy last night, that Chris Christie is, really isn't in it. And the front runner, I believe, right now is Nikki Haley. Is that right? Yes. And, and what's interesting is by you know, far and above is, of course, Donald Trump, right? He's beating everybody in the pools by 50 points. He's beating Ron DeSantis in Florida by 30 points. And so that's saying a lot. Now, what did we see in 2022? We saw that a lot of Democratic dollars, a lot of Democratic donors were funding Donald Trump-backed candidates because they believed that if they were supported by Donald Trump, he's so divisive that it didn't matter what candidate they put up. It was a vote against Donald Trump. I mean, you look at John Fetterman, okay? This guy can literally, if anybody were to do a poor performance than Joe Biden, this was it. They picked the one person that would make Joe Biden look good. And um, John Fetterman was put up there as the Democratic candidate for Senate in Pennsylvania. I mean, that's a big deal. And uh, Dr. Oz was well-spoken, had great policies, but he was backed by Trump. And so the vote against Trump won the day. And that is what they're, they're, they're banking on. And I think, quite honestly, it's a good bet. Because if you look, despite what Trump says, if you look at the records of the Trump-backed um, candidates, a lot of them had really great policies. They had one Achilles heel, and that Trump was attached to their campaign. And so there were a lot of people that would not vote for them regardless of what they said. It didn't matter. One word out of their mouth during their campaign um, speeches didn't, didn't matter because they, they hate Trump so much. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying anything against Trump just in that in and of itself. I, only, I have my own issues with Trump. But um, I'm saying that there's 52 53% of the American population that will not vote for Trump, that will not vote for a Trump-supported candidate, and so that's what you got. If, you got, if you're supported by Trump, then you're not going to win. So, I, that, that's my opinion. So the question is, who do you like the most? Out of those, we're going to drop Chris Christie out of this. And we weren't talking about Trump because he wasn't on the stage, but that is, he's the front runner. I mean, there's no denying that. If, if he were not able to be eligible, let's say, I don't know, for whatever reason, he becomes he's incapacitated, he dies, prison. or he's locked up. <laughs> Uh, he's not he's not able to be voted for, let's yeah. say. And uh, last week, actually, that came came to Arizona. I don't know if you were following that, but um, 
that there's a guy who has filed, I think, in 27, it's either 25 or 27 states, these um, lawsuits to keep Trump off the ballot. He's actually a Republican candidate for president out of Texas. I mean, he's not even anywhere on the ballot or anything like that. He's not going to be a, a viable candidate, but he's been going around to, I think, I think it is 27 states. He's filed the same um, keep Trump off the ballot uh, lawsuits in all these states. Arizona kicked that one out last week, and it was a Democratic-appointed judge that did that here in Arizona. So he basically said, You're, this is a frivolous lawsuit. It's not going to work, you know, and kicked it out. Um, so this has been happening all over. Does that mean that Trump doesn't have his legal issues that might keep him in jeopardy of not being able to be voted for? Maybe. We'll see how that plays out. So we're, we're going to put him to the side, and we're just going to talk to, talk about the top three, yeah, Nikki Haley, I, I think he DeSantis, makes the ballot for sure. and Ramaswamy. Okay? I think Trump makes the ballot, and I just want to make one more point on that, and then I'll talk about who I like the most. But I think he definitely makes the ballot, and I think all of these, um, these, these cases against him are helping his popularity. Everybody sees it. He's getting free press. He doesn't have to pay for any of this. Everybody is covering all of the cover. You know, they're they're covering each charge against him. And if you're a Republican, you're saying, well, "Okay, this is political witch hunt." Yeah, right. it's a political witch hunt. It, it, it's political prosecution. And 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 that's really the threat to our democracy. And so you want to support him just because he's being prosecuted for that. You're you're not that concerned as to whether or not the charges are or true or not, you're, you're concerned that a political opponent is trying to be thrown in jail, which looks more like a third world country you know, type of election, a banana republic. And so you support him. The Democrats know this, okay? The Democrats are brilliant campaigners. They know this. So when they're bringing more of these cases, everybody seems to say, oh, look, it backfired again. Trump's even more popular. They're not idiots. Of course he's more popular. They want Trump to be the candidate because they think that he's the most beatable person because they, they could march somebody up there that it doesn't matter who it is, and 52% of the population is, is going to vote for that other person. So um, I think that all the charges against Trump are specifically levied to make him more popular, to make sure that he is the Republican candidate and not to keep him off the ballot. These are all just smoke and mirrors, red herrings to make it look like they're trying to fight against Trump. when in reality, they're just propping him up. You um, still haven't answered my I question. I, so we're going to do that right after this. For my political camp, my, my political career myself. We're going to come back to that right after this. <laughs> this is life up in the law. Coming up more thought provoking conversations on life, death and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 
4575 or visit yuma you're listening to life death and the law presented by deason garner and hansen the law firm that has been voted yuma's best six years in a row welcome back to life death and the law i'm attorney adam hansen and i've got attorney sean garner next to me we have been talking about politics primarily this morning um and Mostly, we've been discussing our views on last week's debate between the front runners of the Republican um, primary. And, uh, well, we've already established that na- nationally, you know, according to polls, they're not really front runners. Trump is a front runner, but keeping him out, we're going to talk about these top four and really the top three because Chris Christie's not in it. He's not going to be part of all this. However, having said that, Sean, you posed three questions before we started this show, and you still haven't answered the first one. Yeah. And that question was, who do you like the most? It doesn't matter you know, if they're electable. It doesn't matter if they're going to actually be the nominee for the Republican Party. Just the question is, who do you like the most? Vivek Ramaswamy from Ohio. The guy is absolutely brilliant. He... He knows the names, the dates, the locations of every issue far and wide. I've yet to see him stumped. Not only has he not been stumped, I've, I've been in lockstep with him as far as policy decisions. We've been talking for a year or more that um, the administrative state is what is actually running our government. It's not the Constitution. It's not the elected officials. It's the administrative state. And it's, it's really obnoxious because there's no accountability for this administrative state and it has nothing to do with democracy. And that Vivek is pointing that out all the time, that these three-letter agencies are running the country and we need to get rid of 75% of the federal employees that run in these agencies, hand back the power to Congress, the president, and judicial branch, and let the people continue in this constitutional republic. So I really like Vivek for that. Also, he's very, very spot on in his answers to specific issues. What will you do in Ukraine? And he'll give a very delineated outline as to how he will help end that conflict in America's best interest. You ask him, what is he gonna, how is he going to deal with the abortion issue? How is he going to deal with the climate cult that is spreading across the world and how that's affecting and destroying our economy. He'll give you very specific answers where most politicians will dodge all those questions. They'll talk around them and they'll give you, you know, warm fuzzies as to these, these talking points, but they, they, they don't really address them. Even my second, my second favorite is Ron DeSantos. Now he is a proven leader. He turned Florida, dark red. And that is an impressive feat in and of itself. Florida was one of the most free and open states during the COVID pandemic. And um, its economy is booming. People are moving there in droves, and especially from California. And and one point that he brought up that I thought was brilliant was when he was um, debating with um, Gavin Newsom, as he said, I was talking with a guy that just moved from California. And uh, he said that he just couldn't take the regulations anymore. That California was a beautiful state. He loved it there. The resources were amazing. But the regulations were just killing him. And so he's moved over to Florida. Oh, by the way, Gavin, that was your father-in-law. 
Right. <laughs> so he, he's a proven leader. He can do it. He could do the job. I think he, if Trump wasn't going to be the candidate, he'd be the best candidate to who, do DeSantis? it. DeSantis? DeSantis okay. would be, yes. Because We're not there yet. It's just who do you like the most? Sorry. Okay. I like Vivek Ramaswamy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on that bandwagon uh, for the reasons that you pose as well. I like Vivek the Vivek, best. Vivek, wrong with cake. Ramaswamy. That's why I don't say his first name. <laughs> but I do like him the best for all the reasons that you've stated. However, however, he's a little annoying, you know, and unfortunately. I, I'm not saying that because I'm trying to be mean or anything like that. He's just kind of annoying. You know, if this is a popularity contest, if this was high school and you're voting for the class president and Vivek yes, thank you. was running, he probably wouldn't win because he's the goody two-shoes. People like a bad boy, you know? They like a little bit of a stick it to the man. And I'm not saying that he's not like that, but he doesn't, he, he's too, too perfect, too perfect in his speech, too perfect in his appearance. Too, he, he's just, he looks the part of a politician the way that they should look. And people, I think, are turned off by that, unfortunately. I like him the most because of his intellect, and, and I, I really do believe he... I've never heard him say something that I don't agree with. See, that, that response to me is counterintuitive. Sean, I'm not talking about your normal... I'm not talking about you and I going to the polls and voting. I would vote for Ramaswamy if he well, was on the ballot. I'm just saying he's not a politician at all. I know. I know. So the fact that he looks like a politician, politicians look good to the people, but then they go and they lie and they cheat and they steal. Listen, the He's, question is, he looks good to the people, who do you but like he the most? hasn't lied and cheated and stolen yet. I agree. I agree with you. I like him the best. I'm telling you, in my opinion, people don't like him because he just rubs them wrong. Yeah. Unfortunately. Cody, what do you think? I mean, I thought it really, the, the religious Side of things is go is going to be a big separating. Really, because he's a Hindu. He's a Hindu. So yeah. Before we go there, I think what we're doing is we said who do we, who do we like the most? We've we've established that. The next question is who is the most electable, and okay. that's really what we're discussing. Now. Okay. So who do you like the most? Um. So you like you like Chris Christie? No. <laughs> shutting down uh, shutting down the turnpike. No, not really. Um. Haley is is corrupt. Santis. I don't like how he used the government as a weapon in Florida. Absolutely. Vivek, he he does Vivek. sound Vivek. He does sound the right talking points. He he says the right things. Um, but they're not. To me, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I don't feel like they're talking points. They, he truly researches issues, and he'll tell you this. He's like, I've read a book about this. I read this. What have you read? You know, what do you know about this issue? So it's not that he's just like making talking points. He has thoroughly thought them through, and he has a, an answer that he feels is. A, according to his moral compass, how you should come down on a certain issue. And it's not just a talking point that the Republican Party's given him or the Democrats or the media. It in, is, in fact, he's thought it's, it through. It's, it's in contradiction to most people's talking points. It, it's radical. It, uh, and it shouldn't be. That is, what he's saying is actually what is supposed to be main, is mainstream. It's just nobody's saying it. Sorry to cut you off, though. Sorry. No, no, so, so that, that's where I'm at on. I mean, I, he's the, clearly the best one. Of the group, he's the smartest. Yeah, he's yeah. the smartest in the room. You know, and but you, what you're just saying is you need some, you need like a guy that, that has attention and gets attention. That's Donald Trump, right? You know, like yeah. he he doesn't have to pay for it. Where all these others, I mean, they are begging people <laughs> to look at them, and Trump is just commanding the audience. Well, I think you said another like ability thing about Vivek though. Look, I mean, he has endless amounts of energy. 
he has campaigned circles around everybody else. He's been to every state, red, blue, uh, independent, or not independent, but um, swing states. And um, he's campaigned. There's not a day that goes by that I don't see at least two interviews from him on his campaign. Two. I mean, there, there'll be days and weeks that go by that I don't hear from Haley or DeSantos. Okay, get back to the question. Who is the most electable? We talked about Ramaswamy being the ones that we like the most, the one that we like the most. Trump's not in the equation. Christie's not in the equation. And we're down to three. And we're, we're picking Ramaswamy for all the reasons we, we talked about. But the question now becomes, who's the most electable? And I think for the reasons you talked about, Cody, uh, and I think we said it, or we established it, he's the smartest guy in the room. He comes into a room, he's the smartest guy. And just for that fact alone, people, you just don't like the smartest person in the room. You're usually jealous of that person. For Deep down, you're like, I hate that person. I hope bad things happen to them. Uh, well, but, I'm, I'm uh, saying that out loud, but we all think it. You all think about it. And so for that reason, I don't think he's electable because people, they're going to find fault with him. He is the smartest guy in the room, and he doesn't have a Christian uh, faith which I think is going to be huge. I think that's it. That's in, in the southern states uh, specifically. You're mm. cringing when I say that. Listen, on our show, we talk about reality. So no. we have Martin sitting across the desk from us for the first time. He's joining us. Welcome, Martin. Hello, th- hello, Sean. Hello, hello. Oh. So Martin, um, he helps us with the tech aspect of our show. So if it sounds good and it looks good when you watch it on YouTube, that's to his credit. So... Um, what do you think? Have you listened to Vivek? No, I haven't listened to Vivek, but I was just looking on his uh, campaign site. And so far, like even for me, who's primarily Democratic, I like what he's saying. Like he just has all of these points that he's talking about. And it's crazy because in school, you're taught that there's a separation between uh, religion and state. And so the fact that you guys have to make a point that just because he's not of the Christian faith that already knocks him down on the totem pole of being mm-hmm. elected is just it's insane because it's it shouldn't be about your religion and stuff and then back to what you were saying that he's the smartest person in the room wouldn't you want that to be someone that absolutely because it's like why would you want someone who's the bad boy who doesn't do it because all i'm hearing is that he's just prepared he's taking this seriously he was putting in the time and effort to research to what he's going to be asked and he you can see that he has that drive that initiative that want to be president or the be the presidential elect uh, elect i think candidate candidate that he just wants it so it's just insane to me that people just don't click that or maybe they do and they just what 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 it is what i hear you say is it's frustrating it's it, incredibly frustrating absolutely that because people are turned off about how good he is I, is that what you're saying yeah because you know you're saying that he's coming prepared he's putting in the work to campaign and you like you said two interviews a day but other people aren't doing that he's what he wants it why not just let him have it if he's the smartest person in the room and he's coming prepared i'm with you i'm we, saying we are always he's the most credentialed as far as the, the effort that he's put in and an outsider. I mean, the, the number one credential for me at this point is someone who is not going to follow the status quo. Now, they don't have to be an outsider, but it's a big um, step back if they are an insider. Like, you know, DeSantis is um, the, a governor, right? He's been in politics a majority of his professional career. Prior to politics, he was in the military, which is is very admirable. But he hasn't actually created an industry. He actually hasn't created anything for um, his community 
or the public in general. He hasn't provided a service other than serving his country is not to be understated in the least, but he's told what to do, how to do it, and where to do it. And that is the is different than innovating and creating something that that makes America great, and that is using our freedom of intellectual ownership of property and actual ownership of property to produce something. And government needs to understand that production comes from the citizens, not from government, and that's why I want some an outsider to be a governor. Or Getting back to Ramaswamy and, and going back to that Christian issue, what I really respect, one of the things that I really like about Ramaswamy is that even though it's not his faith, as he talks about it, he understands it. He knows Christianity. He knows the tenets of the faith. He has done his research, and so he can openly talk about it very easily and connect with people. And I, my fear is that I hope he didn't do that just because he, that was the purpose, was to connect with people and get voters along. I don't, I don't think it is. I think genuinely he is curious, and he's an intellectual. He wants to know about these things, and it's super, super respectful to me. It's the same as, for example, we went to, my wife and I went to Italy, uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, on a little trip with our boys, and I'm telling you this story because when you go to a foreign country and you try to attempt to speak their language to them, they love it. They they feel like, oh, you're not just any old tourist. You're trying to actually learn our culture, learn about us, you know. And I feel that's in some small respect kind of what Ramaswamy's doing with the religion aspect. He's trying to understand, or at least project that he's understanding that tenet of the Christian faith so that uh, he can understand where people, the voting base is coming from. That doesn't mean that he has to adopt all those, those things, but it just so happens that a lot of his moral compass is based on what would also be known as Christian principles. Well, and, and Judeo-Christian principles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so here's the thing. He advocates for a culture that has a deep foundation on traditional religious um, tenets. And you can be an avid follower of deity and respect that there is a divine creator and have a lot in common with people across the aisle as far as across faiths, as opposed to being just um, a Catholic or a Protestant in name only and, and not follow your faith. I mean, look at our current president. He's a Catholic, but I don't think that he's worthy to take Mass. Quite honestly, if he just looked through their guidelines and, and what is determined worthiness to take Mass, his political positions and what he fights for disqualifies him to even participate in one of the most holy rituals in his own religion. So, yeah, he's Catholic, and a lot of people in this country are Catholic, so maybe that fits well with them, but he doesn't follow his faith. Vivek is authentic, and I, I haven't heard anything that distracts from his faith. Of course, I don't know his faith, but he's never disavowed it, which I think that in and of itself is a great quality. Now, Nikki Haley, on the other hand, her real name is Nimarada Rondois, Rond Dawa. She, yeah. She is um, a first-generation American. Her parents were born in India, and she was Hindu as well. She converted to Christianity and changed her name to Nikki Haley because that fits the narrative. 
that to me looks much more suspicious than someone that holds authentic to their true identity than someone who is trying to just to fit in the mold. We have to take a break. This is Life, Death, and Law. We'll be back right after this. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hansen, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. I'm attorney Adam Hansen. I've got attorney Sean Garner with me. And we have been talking about last week's debate. And we were talking about the three questions that you posed originally before we started this show, one of which was, who do you like the most? We've established that I think we're all agreeing, agreeing that we like Ramaswamy the best. And, uh, and then the next question was, well, it doesn't matter if you like him the most, who's the most electable? And we were talking about some of the flaws with all of the candidates, really. Um, and I don't know if we finished that conversation, but the last question is, who is the actual person that's going to be nominated? Well, no, are you who you think? We, we didn't ask who's most electable. Oh, I guess we didn't establish who it was, but who, who do you we think were talking most through, electable? We were talking about the flaws of the others and... and uh, so if you were so okay, in no, the, you, let's start with you. Let's start with you. Yeah, if who's I'm, the most electable? If I'm in a backroom strategy, you know, smoke-filled room. And you're with, taking the United with, States, with the all 50 states as a whole. Who has the most? Who's the most electable? Thinking of all the diverse cultures we have in the United States across the board, from Alaska down to Hawaii, all the way to uh, as much as it pains me to say it, Nikki Florida. Haley. Really? Yeah. Re-he-he-ly. For the sole purpose of. Well, there's, there's, there's two reasons. Identity politics. She's a oh, woman. Oh, she's a woman. And um, she served on the UN, and a lot of people see that as a Under huge... Under the Trump administration, so she's connected there. As a... Well, I, I don't think that helps her, honestly. Okay. But, Sorry. Um, Sorry to interrupt. I, I think that that gives her a credential as much as I like, personally dislike the, the UN, and I think that we ought to pull out of it. Um, I think that people see that on a surface level as a credential for someone that's going to serve in this capacity. So she's, she's a likable person in general. Um, I know you don't like her, and, and neither do I, but I, I think that people want something new, and, and, and that's human nature, right? We like the novelty. And so we, we want to see a female in that office. And, and that's identity politics, and I don't think it's right, but um, I think that people would like to see that, and they see that her credentials um, as, as being an ambassador of UN, and she is in the establishment. I mean, she's being funded by all the major powers out there, and she's part of the establishment machine. So I think that she would be the most electable when it came to a general election. Um, of the four candidates out there, I like her the least. I, I would elect Chris Christie over Nikki Haley, but I think that's not she, the question. I think the general election, she's the most electable. Okay, I am going to go with DeSantis because I believe that uh, I, I don't think people like Nikki Haley once they see her, once they hear her, and um, for the fact that for the reason that you said that she is the most electable because she's a woman, I'm going to say she's not electable because she's a woman. Why? I don't think. I don't think most men want to be, um, and I know this sounds horrible. I, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying I don't think most men um, want to be, what's the word? Taking directions from a woman? Yeah. 
Absolutely. And actually, this is, goes back to a study that I learned about years ago. BMW did when they start, first started coming. This was back in the early 2000s. BMW, they were putting the voices in their cars. Mm-hmm. And out of all of the voices, like men would not, they did, did not like taking directions from women. Oh, that's so ironic because I guarantee I'm always going to have a woman voice talking to I me. I like in my the car. Australian woman accent yeah. voice. For Siri. Personally. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway. Back to my opinion, and that's all that matters. It's going to be DeSantis. I mean, I'm going to go with DeSantis. He's the most electable. He's the most electable. He's he's got a proven track record. People just like him. You know, he fits the part. He looks the part. He is doing all the right things yeah. I, to the people. I'm not saying he is. In my opinion, he's not doing all the right things. But to the people, he he gives the perception that he is. He's a he he gets attention because of using the government in Florida to do things that I don't think the government should do, but the base as a whole Sometimes. feels like, yeah, you need to stick it to the man. Kick out all the people that are saying, you know, from the river to the sea and all the Palestinian-loving people. Kick them out of Florida. Yeah. You know, get, uh, go after Disney because of their woke agenda. Woke agenda. Yeah, you might think that, but wrong. don't that's use the wrong. government as a, a club to do it. That is completely wrong. No. Ramaswamy gets it. Nikki yeah. Haley doesn't. Christie doesn't get it. They're government people. But Ramaswamy, who's not a government person, understands the Constitution, yeah. understands all these things. So for those reasons, I'm going to go with DeSantis. Cody. I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. DeSantis has the most um, on the ball as far as having a track record. And uh, all but Vivek have demonstrated that they'll use government power in an abusive way. Yeah. and I love, uh, I love that you pointed that out. It's true. In an authoritarian, authoritarian way. All, all of right. them have. Anything else to say on that? Martine. What do you think? I know you don't keep up a lot with this stuff, but just from what we've been talking about, what do you think? Yeah, just from what you guys have been talking and like me doing my research, unfortunately, I have to agree with you that I with don't... me? Not, not on DeSantis, but the fact that Nikki Haley wouldn't be it because she is a woman. Because it's just unfor- the unfortunate truth. Like we kind of saw it with, what was her name? Hillary? Hillary well, didn't well, get well, her. If you had to vote Republican, would that be any reason not to vote for her? Uh, n- I'm just going to say I wouldn't vote for her because I don't know much about her, but I just... No, 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 but it is, everybody's equal. Yeah. Like, w- would you, you count that as even a half a point against her that she's female? Absolutely not. You, w- you wouldn't personally. I wouldn't personally because I grew up with only women. Would you count it as a point for her? No. Because okay, so gender it's, shouldn't be part of the equation. It shouldn't be, but is it for you? No. Okay, all right. But just basically, from all the information that I've done, I would go with Vivek just because... I like everything that he's saying. Like I'm still going back to his thing. And- but th- this brings up an interesting question because do you go to the polls, and this is just a question for all of us, do you go to the polls to cast your vote thinking, okay, I think the majority of people are going to vote for, let's say, DeSantis. Therefore, I don't want to throw my vote away, and I'd rather DeSantis get an extra vote to get over the hump to beat the Democratic nominee. Therefore, I'm going to vote for DeSantis, even though I really like Ramaswamy or I like Haley better. I'm going to vote for this guy. Is that ever something that comes over your yeah. voting decision? Oh, absolutely. Right. I don't want to throw my vote away. And hmm, so, that's interesting to me. I don't. I don't think of it that way. Yeah. And, and it, I vote it, my conscience. If all of us thought that way, then we would have very different outcomes in our elections. And I think we would have an independent party that was actually a third party runner and and we wouldn't have this two-party corrupt system but we don't we want to vote for the we want our vote to count and we want it to go towards the winner and so um i think that a lot of people were going to vote for who they see in the polls 
is is leading and i think that's why the polls they have such a big impact and and you see this from the mainstream media pushing that out who they want to win they show the polls favoring that person or if they want to get the vote out for the opposing party they show the polls for somebody that the opposing party really hates and so that's they use the polls as um a stick to get people to vote for who they want to, to actually get elected. And that's why I think that the media manipulates these elections big time. Okay, so to sum it up, Sean, you said, who is the most electable? You said Nikki Haley. I said DeSantis. Cody said DeSantis. Martin said DeSantis. So we win. Um, we mm-hmm. trump Sean, no pun intended. Uh-huh. Next question, the last question. We've only got a f- few minutes to, to duke this out. The last question is, we've talked about who we like the most, who we think is the most electable. The last question is, who, in reality, given all this, the landscape, who's actually going to be the nominee for the Republican Party to go up against Biden or the proxy individual that they put in there uh, as a contender? If anybody doesn't think it's Donald Trump, then you need to go out and get your head examined because it is going to be Donald Trump. Absolutely. I can't believe so it. You're telling me we just wasted an hour of our time talking about people that don't even matter? No. They'll be VP. You guys acknowledged it in the something. beginning. I no. love that you brought that up. And that's where I'm going with this. So, really, I think the, con- the, the actual question should be who is going to be the actual nominee of the Republican nominee, Donald Trump? He, yes. I think we all agree he's going to be the nominee. Yeah. He's, he's going to be the nominee. The, the big so question who will is he who's going to be, who is he going to run against? And I think that the biggest chance that um, Joe Biden is actually going to run for a second term is when the GOP nominates Donald Trump as their candidate because they know that they can just put up a shadow figure for the Republic or the Democratic Party um, and, and they'll beat Donald Trump because they don't need somebody to actually speak and, and perform. They just need everybody else to hate Donald Trump. Now, if it's not Donald Trump for some reason, if, if for some reason their strategy backfires in one of these prosecutorial cases, a prosecutor gets um, out of line and actually get, puts him in jail and he's not eligible for to, to run for president and it's somebody like DeSantis or Haley, they're going to pull Gavin Newsom out of their back pocket. I guarantee it. That's their backup plan. Everybody says they don't have a plan B because they don't want it to be so apparent. But there's, has there ever been a debate between a presidential candidate, a, a real uh, legit presidential candidate, and then somebody else that is obviously measuring the White House for its curtains and having a debate as if they are the two presidential frontrunners before. That's never happened. It's a complete waste of time unless Gavin Newsom was going to run. Everybody knows that. And so if it's not Trump, Newsom's going to come out. He speaks very elegantly. I mean, just to listen to him, if I didn't know all of the things that he was saying were flat-out lies, I would, I would be impressed. I would say this guy, you know, has got his stuff together. But the only thing that he's got together is hoodwinking the people. And he's got that nailed because everybody knows that California is going down the tubes and it's one of the greatest as far as resources states in the United States. And he has managed to just destroy it. I think I think the question should be, 
who's going to be the Republican VP. Uh, what I've seen is that Trump has really kind of gone after DeSantis. They, they can't work together. It's either Trump or DeSantis. They're not going to work together, which is unfortunate. That'd be a fantastic ticket, in my opinion. You've got uh, Trump doing what he does, and then you've got a, a more sane, level-minded individual in DeSantis. But they've been going to war. They, they had to, you know, and Trump takes digs at him. DeSantis alternatively had to to reciprocate so they're taking punches he's also going to he's gone after nikki haley which is surprising to me because she worked for his administration but not so surprising after what you've said sean these new revelations that i didn't know about but he hasn't really gone to war with ramaswamy he said a few things here and there Mm -hmm. but not as much as i feel like he doesn't see him as a threat no Uh, and maybe that's what it is but ramaswamy on the alternative hasn't actually made too many disparaging comments about trump either no he, in fact he's propped him up quite a bit he says that he's one of the better presidents that we've had this century absolutely so i would love to see trump smarten up and pick a ramaswamy as a vp i think that would be a fantastic ticket yeah unfortunately might, i don't think ramaswamy would serve as vp but yeah he says that he says i'm running for united states president but let's see yeah that would be fantastic we gotta go our time is up believe it or not We'll talk to you next week. This is Life, Death, and the Law. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. Hey, Yuma, Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.